So as I said last week, we, we touched, we started on courage to obey. And I spoke about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. How he was there to keep an appointment with the enemy. He was distressed. He was troubled, agonizing over what he had to go through. To do what was required of him. He was seeking another way. He had the power. The beauty about that, for, for those who missed it, he had the power to make another choice. The lamb had a power to make another choice. But he gave up his right instead to do the father's will. So he took courage to obey the father and do the father's will. It takes courage to do something at times when you don't want to do it. But to do it because it is the right thing to do. And if you're a student of the Bible, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. So today I'm, I'm going to continue with courage to obey. And we're going to go to, um, we're going to, go to Acts chapter 5. But, and we're going to start in verse 17 through around 29 and then I'll jump around. But I just want to give a little um, backdrop of what was taking place which led up to this incident with the Sanhedrin. Acts chapter 5. Verse 17. So I'm going to start with a little backdrop, but then we're going to start reading when I'm finished with the backdrop. Are you there? Acts chapter 5? Yep. Verse 17. So I'm not going to start reading there. Yeah, just listen. So we have Peter and John. They were arrested. And they were now before the Sanhedrin, addressing them concerning the man that was healed. So Peter healed a man that was lame. And he's before they, they were arrested and they're before the Sanhedrin now. And just to give you a little background of the power of, of what the Sanhedrin, what they, what they were and how the power they had. The great Sanhedrin met in the temple in Jerusalem. The court convened every day except festivals and on the Sabbath. The Sanhedrin was a body which claimed powers that lesser Jewish courts did not have. So they were like the high court. As such, they were the ones, the only ones who could try the king or extend the boundaries of the temple and Jerusalem, and were the ones to whom all questions of law were finally put in place. They could make decisions on things not of national importance. For instance, declarations of war, issues dealing with whole tribes, an issue with the high priest, false prophets, etc., they have the authority to address these and make decisions concerning these things. In addition, they dealt with matters pertaining to ritual and Jewish law, such as blasphemy, adultery, tithing, idolatry, etc. It also appears that some of all death penalty cases may have been filtered through them when they had the power to carry out death penalties. So they could actually condemn somebody to death. That's how much power they, power they had. They functioned, they functioned much like the Supreme Court today, except that they did not take cases that the lesser Sanhedrin had already ruled on. So the way our Supreme Court will take lower case, some cases of lower courts, the Sanhedrin won't do that. Whatever the lower courts decided, they, that was, decision was final. So these were people who Peter and John were addressing. They were standing in front of Sanhedrin, which made up of Sadducees, the high priests, and so forth. Sanhedrin now could not deny the miracle that, that took place because the, the witnesses that testified of this man who was healed said, yeah, this man was, 
was the, really in the condition he was. And the miracle that was done, you can't deny it. The proof is right in front of you. So they couldn't deny the miracle that Peter, Peter did. And they were perplexed now how to deal with Peter and John because the people were supporting Peter and John. Because they, the miracle happened. And miracles were happening. Things were happening. So you're in front of the Supreme, the Supreme Court. They can't judge you because the evidence is right in front of them that what these people are saying and doing their evidence is there, and the people were behind them. So they had to be, they had to walk a tightrope now. How do we deal with the apostles, but how do we not upset the people? Because they want, the last thing they want is a riot on their hands. So these men were powerful in position and influence. So what did they do? Instead of beating them, or instead of doing anything in front of the people, they threatened them. They say they severely threatened Peter and John. So it was an ultimatum. Or else Else you stop preaching and teaching in this guy, in Jesus' name, or we will have to deal with you more severely. So they commanded them not to speak or teach in Jesus' name. Then they released them. Because of the people, they, they didn't physically beat them or abuse them. Because they'll have to deal with the, the mob. Now the fame of the apostles continued to expand. And people were coming from surrounding cities, bringing the sick and the tormented. So miracles were being performed and multitudes were being added to the Lord. So think of the Sanhedrin who is in charge of religious things in Jerusalem. Who is in charge of making and enforcing Judaism. Have the authority to condemn people to death. Have the authority to change people's lives. And these apostles are turning the city upside down. So they are people of influence and of power. So now we're going to pick it up in verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. So let's read. So then, now, the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. So indignation means envy, jealousy. They were jealous of the apostles, because the people were after them. The people were supporting them. Because they always had an issue with the people in the judgments they made. But they were envious of them because of the influence that the apostles were gathering. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prisons. So now, before they warned them, they threatened them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And what did they do? They went and did exactly what the Sanhedrin told them not to do. They were preaching and teaching again in the name of Jesus. And then people were just clamoring into Jerusalem. And miracles were, were, were happening. And they were adding to the church, to the Lord. So they got, they got even more upset. So now they arrested the, the apostles again. And they put them in prison now. Verse 19. But look at this. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, powerful right here, said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the, the council together. And with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So they had them arrested. So the next day there, 
the high priest is sending the soldiers now to bring them in front of the Sanhedrin <coughs> so they're going to proclaim some type of judgment with them. Soldiers got there. The apostles are not in prison. So when the officers came, verse 22, and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and the cap captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. What's going on? How could that be? Verse 25. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Verse 26. Then the captain went and the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. This is how enamored the people were with the apostles and what was happening. The, the soldiers had to be careful because if they mistreated the apostles, the people would start stoning them. Yeah. So they didn't know the mob. So it tells you the power of the people when people are in unity and rise up together. A lot could get done. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the, count, the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and the intent to bring the man's blood on us. So their conscience is bothering them already. But I love what Peter said. But Peter, verse 29, and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Alright? So let's stop there for a second. Look at what's happening here. It's amazing because they are doing what Jesus told them to do. When Jesus was before he ascended, he said, Go in all the world and preach the gospel. But he told them, Don't go to the Gentiles. Because he already had Paul assigned to do that. So they were just doing what Jesus told them to do. They're in prison now, doing what they were ordered not to do by this high court. I'm thinking... Hmm, today, what would we be doing? We were arrested because they said that whatever it is they say not to do. We'd be looking for, do you know a good lawyer? Do you know this or that? These guys didn't have lawyers. They were just doing what God called them to do. They're in prison. And if you remember Paul and Silas, when they put them in prison. Paul and Silas, Silas weren't looking for a lawyer and a way to get out. They were just in there. What did they do? They decided to praise God. Amen. They just started praising God. Today we'd be, do you know a lawyer who can come and represent us and get us out of prison? They are about doing the Father's business. The angel opened the prison doors. This is a supernatural event going on here. Because the guards are not, maybe they're mesmerized. They, don't, they have no clue what's happening, the guards. The angel came. Maybe, they, maybe the angel stopped time. Let them out and, to, and gave them instructions confirming what they were supposed to be doing. Go, stand at the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. The angel didn't say, go hide. The angel didn't say, try not to ruffle the feathers of the Sanhedrin. He said, go in the temple and teach the people. Just keep doing what you've been doing. Encouraging them in what they were supposed to be doing. So, you look at that. And you think, what is the mentality of the apostles? 
Now, imagine this. You, this is, you see, we read this and what we fail to do is put ourselves in their shoes. You're in prison and an angel. How many people have seen an angel? Right. One. Physically show up. And not just, it's not just a glimpse. Open the prison door, let you out of the prison, and then talk to you. And said, this is what I want you to do. Do you think that will change your life? Yes, it will change your life. What, we, what did they see? They saw the power of God. It's, they already raising the dead. Casting out demons. Healing people. Now the angel shows up and says, let them out and give you instructions. Who are you going to fear? Man or God? No. I think it's kind of, kind of it's straight. Yeah. It's kind of straight who are you going to be paying attention to? You understand? Okay, so that's why I'm saying when you read this, try and put yourself because don't just read it. Read it and put yourself in the situation because I remember 30 years ago or 31 or 32 years ago, supernatural, one supernatural event that I can't dispute changed my life. So what is different about the apostles? Remember, if you remember when Jesus was arrested, what did they all do? They were scattered. They all hid, ran and hid. When he was crucified, they were hiding. When he was resurrected and he ascended, they were still hiding. But he said, go to the upper room and wait. And after the Holy Spirit came and filled them, they were totally different men. This is where we're going now. Look at this. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what's different between the apostles then and now. They knew Jesus in a different way. They didn't know him by the flesh now. They know Jesus by the Spirit. And they were at peace because they were in God's will. And it was verified by the charge of the angel. And when the angel released them from prison. So they say, in their boldness. And they're standing before the Sanhedrin. The high court saying, it's better. I'm going to believe. I'm going to obey God rather than you guys. You can do whatever you want to us. But this is how it's going to be. So the reaction, if you look at verse, 30, verse 33... We didn't read there, but listen to this. Verse 33. When they heard this, who they? The Sanhedrin. When they said it's better to obey God than men. The Sanhedrin, the high court, those high priests and those, the Sadducees, they were mad. They were starting to plot on how to kill these guys. That's a solution for everything. Somebody, you don't agree with somebody's doing, you're ready to kill them. Get them out of the way. Get them out of your face. That is the nature of man. That's just the way the enemy is. You don't like something, you don't agree with it, get rid of it. So this is what they were plotting to kill them. This is nothing to play with. They are plotting to kill them. That's verse 33. Why? Because the apostles disregarded their authority. The apostles disregarded their authority. Let's go to verse 40. Verse 40 says, And they agreed with him. Who? Gamaliel was convincing the Sanhedrin not to mess with these guys. Because he said, if they are from God, if they are serving God, what they are doing will last. But if they are not, what they are doing will not last. So now, they listen to Gamaliel, which is a good thing for them, because if they didn't, and they kill the, try to kill these guys, they would not, it would not have fared well for the Sanhedrin and the high priest. Now verse 40, And they agreed with him, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. First, 
They are the first they, they just warned them. Now they're warning them and they're beating them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Look at the reaction of the disciples here. Verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council. What were they doing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing because they were arrested and beaten. Is that the mindset of the Christians today? Do you know a good lawyer that could get me out of this? Because being beaten is embarrassing. You've been beaten for your faith. You've been persecuted for your faith. You've been ridiculed for your faith. They were beating. They were rejoicing because they were beaten. They were beaten. Because why? They were they counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And what did they do? And daily, in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Do you think these guys had courage? <laughs> courage to obey. Courage to obey in the midst of everything. Why? They had a mandate from God. They had a mandate from the Holy Spirit. And the angel came and they saw what the angel will do. Don't worry. You, if you need, remember when we were talking a couple services ago, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God will do whatever He has to do to take you where, to where He needs to take you. As I said, if He has to give you a dream, if He has to give you a vision, even if the angels have to show up and open the door and let you out, whatever has to be done, the Lord will do it. Why? Because He does not walk, want us walking in darkness. He doesn't want us walking in darkness. So our faith will be tested. We'll be challenged in these days that we are living in. The question is, how will we respond to the tests and the trials? Many times, we think we know how we're going to respond. But when we are actually faced with a trial, that really tells us how we're going to respond. Remember what Peter said when Jesus said, that how he's going to be, he's going to be killed, and how you all will deny me. We will, I will never deny you. I won't deny you. Claiming loud, bold, I won't deny you. Jesus said, "Before the cock crows three times, you will do it. You will deny me three times. You will do it." We don't know. You don't know how you're going to respond. Because if you look at Peter's life then and Peter's guy life now, Peter is uh, two different people. Two different people. So, most times, we don't know how we're going to respond in trials. We don't know. However, we are in a state of preparation. And we ought to always be in a state of preparing ourselves spiritually. You know, the Bible says physical exercise is, not, is good. But spiritual exercise is more important. Mm -hmm. Focusing on growing spiritually. Focusing on listening to the voice of God. Focusing on knowing God. However, as I said, we always have to be in a perpetual state of preparation. To have the courage to obey when we are mandated to do something. Because I said the times we are living in, our faith is going to be put to the test. In ways that we could never imagine. What happens if they say... You can't do this, or you can't do that, or you mustn't do this in Jesus' name. Stop preaching, or stop teaching, or stop sharing in Jesus' name. 
and the, and the Lord gave you a dream, you need to go talk to this person and do this. Or you need to go do this. Or you need to do that. And somebody's telling you, no, you can't do that. Or you share your dream or your vision with someone. And they say, no, you can't do that. You don't have the education. You don't have the smarts. You don't have the right look. You're not wearing the right suit. You're not wearing the right dress. You don't have the right hair comb. You're not articulate enough. You sound like a, you sound too ignorant. You sound unlearned and uneducated. That's discouragement. That's the enemy trying to discourage you. That person could be very envious of the Lord working in your life. But you have to be clear in who you are. That if you, the angel showed up and give you a mandate, go in the temple and do X, Y, and Z. Whatever you've been told to do, have the courage to go and do it. Because the Bible talks about, in James, lay aside, and we could go to James, uh, actually chapter 1, and let me read that for you. James chapter 1, let's go to verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Lay aside anything that's going to distract you from the things of God, from seeking the kingdom of God. That's my summary of that. Of that. And receive with meekness the implanted work, word of God. Receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Don't be full of yourself, thinking you know everything. So when somebody's trying to minister to you, you don't want to receive what is being said. Because that word that that person can be giving you could be a word from the Lord for you. To save you and help you in whatever you're going through. Don't be full of yourself. It's amazing how we live in a society, I can only talk about the Western world, where we are free to worship. But people pick and choose when they want to go to church, if they should go to church. I don't feel like going to church. I still want to watch church. My church will be home and watching TV. What they are forgetting is that they are missing part of the equation which is going to help them grow spiritually. Because you're getting the word from a medium. But the word is only reinforced and becomes powerful and you get revelation when you take the word and put it into practice. The only way the word is going to get put into practice, you have to be among believers or others. So the Holy Spirit could take that word and lead you and show you how to put the word into action so you can get the results based on what the word it is you're trying to implement. So when you're away, that's why the Bible says, do not separate yourself like some do. Because when you separate yourself, you don't get the benefit of the gifting of all the others in your presence. And your gift cannot be received because you're not there to give it. So you are being selfish, but the, war, the Lord will deal with that. So you see here, they can't receive it. They think they're hearing the word, but they say what, in, and, and the next verse it says, be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So you're home, listening, you see, that is convenient for people who can't get out. If you can't get out the house, it's good to sit and receive it, the word. But if you can't, it's important that you don't separate yourself from believers because you may have something that the Lord will want to share with you to, to minister to someone. But if you have that mindset, the Lord can't use you. 
You might be there, you're receiving, 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 but there is no anointing in your life because you have no, you have no venue, you have no vehicle in which to minister what the Lord has, been, has given to you. Because your mind, your, 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 your behavior is a selfish behavior. You understand? You have, as you walk in, by faith, you get the anointing for what you need to be doing. You don't get the anointing for something you're not supposed to be doing. You get the anointing in the moment for what you need to be doing. If you look at how Jesus and how the apostles operate, how they move, they were being led by the Spirit. <laughs> you understand? So, at the time when he says, do this, when, he spoke, when, he, when the, the Holy Spirit spoke to, to, to Peter and gave him the vision about going to Cornelius' house, he gave him what he needed for the moment so he can take the next step. So that Peter is not going to walk in darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're, you're, you're home. You're not fellowshipping with the brethren. And you're wondering why your life is in turmoil. Because you're separated. You cut yourself off thinking that you're doing God's will. Thinking that you're receiving. But you're not really... You're getting it. But it's going through one and going out. Because there's no way to exercise what you're, being, what you're hearing. You understand? He says here what? In verse 22. Be doers of the word. What you hear, you have to have a venue to, to, to act on it. And not hearers only. Because when you're a hearer only, you're deceiving yourself. Thinking that you're walking in faith. So this is what the disciples were doing. As they walked, as they went into the temple, as they went into whatever they're doing, they, the anointing was on them. And they were just preaching and teaching. And as they were walking, they were led. As you go, you get what you need. As you go, the Holy Spirit gives you what you need. As you go. As you go. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. So I love what what Peter said. It's it's better to obey God than men. It takes courage to do what doesn't seem like the flow with what everyone else wants to do. It takes courage to do what's right. It takes courage to obey the voice of God. It takes courage to obey the word of God. Because many things in the world, it goes against the flesh. 